Amen. You can be seated. Good morning and welcome again. I'm John. I'm our children's pastor here. I haven't got to meet you. Would love to get to say hi to you. One of our pastors is always out by the fireplace after worship service. If you'd ever like to meet someone, we'd uh, love to get to say hello to you. So while it is not, uh, to my knowledge, a Jeff Foxworthy, you know you're a redneck when you have to turn the Christmas lights off because it's hard to see the fireworks. There's always that one family, you know, in the neighborhood that leaves the Christmas lights on till August and then takes them down. That's the one I don't understand. If you've waited that long, just leave them up there. That's kind of how I felt this morning coming up to preach the Christmas message on the last Sunday of February. I, I feel like that neighbor that's, that's kind of bringing back um, the Christmas lights and just won't take them down. But this morning, what we're doing is we're going through the book of Luke. And Joe started two weeks ago and uh, shared last week about the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth and how God came to an older couple, um, a retirement at least age couple, that had never been able to have a baby. And she became pregnant. And uh, ironically, her husband wouldn't believe the angel, and so he was made mute for the entire pregnancy, um, a fact for which I'm sure she was very grateful, and uh, it was probably the smoothest pregnancy ever, but he didn't say one stupid thing that whole time. It was amazing. But then God comes and sends that same angel, not this time to the old woman who was barren, but to the young woman who wasn't even married. Her name was Mary. And we're going to talk a little bit about her story. And what Joe focused on last week, because obviously we know the Christmas story here, and we've just preached through that at Christmas time, but focused on the song that a man named Zachariah sang when God finally gave him his tongue back. He used it to sing and praise God. And we're going to see when Mary received this good news, she began to sing as well. And she sang this glorious, glorious, beautiful song. And we're going to talk about that and sing through that ourselves. And we're going to ask the Lord to teach our hearts to sing. That hymn that we just sang, it happens to be my favorite hymn. Come thou fountain. Come thou fountain of every blessing. In other words, we, we look to you, God. Come again because you are from the source of our every blessing. And then that next line, because you've done that, because you're the source of every blessing, tune my heart to sing your praise. So suddenly God works, and then we need to be driven to song. And that's the exact same story of Mary, of what Sarah just read, of Isaiah. He sees God and he responds, send me. And he breaks out actually in a, what we think is a poem, not quite a song. But we want to ask God, because of his many, many blessings, to tune our hearts to sing his praise. So turn with me now, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. And I apologize, we have Bibles in the chairs right in front of you, and I forgot to look at the page number that was on this week. I always try to do that and absolutely forgot to. But Luke chapter 1, Verses 46 through 56. Read this with me. And Mary said, My soul 
magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has shattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and the exalted of, and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in his remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray together. Lord, you are good and gracious and kind. And Father, just as um, this scripture as the recording of what Mary's saying, she filled by the Spirit just worshipped you with her whole heart. Father, we've read of Isaiah. We've read last week of Zechariah and his song. And Lord, as um, this saint of old wrote for us to sing, Lord, tune our hearts to sing your praise. Teach us some melodious sonnet that's sung by those flaming tongues of angels above. Lord, hear our hearts, and we are fixed upon the mountain, the mountain of your incredible love, God. Jesus, it's because of your love we pray, and your work for us. Amen. So today we're going to walk through what preceded Mary's song, and we're going to end with Mary's song, and then I, I want to just, we're, I'll tell you exactly where we're going today. Church, we're going to sing again at the end. And my challenge to you today is to not just take our response song, as this is what we do to close out the service because it feels weird to close on the preacher. Um, We've got to wake everybody up again. But to sing, because your heart has been tuned to sing God's praise, just as Mary. So listen for that as we go through this text and walk through this. So the first thing we want to talk about out of this Christmas story is that God has spoken. Everything starts in this story because of what God said. Mary was a nobody, a very young woman, probably still in her teenage years. She was engaged. She was from a little bitty town. And I mean, we're talking wide spot in the road town. It's guessed that Nazareth probably had about 100 folks in it. That's the whole town. I mean, she is a nobody from nowhere, and she's engaged to another nobody, just a good guy, apparently. We find that out from the Scriptures. These were good folks, but they were not the folks that got written down in the annals of history. Were it not from what God said and what God did, we would have no clue who these people ever were. And probably even people living at their time would have no clue who Mary and Joseph ever were. But God did something. He spoke through the angel Gabriel. He gave his words. Listen to it. It's in Luke 1 verses 30 through 33. It says, when God said this through this angel, listen to what he said. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son 
and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he'll be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. When God said that to Mary, he changed everything for this young woman. The Messiah was coming, the promised one, the person they had been looking for for millenniums to save them was coming and Mary was going to bear this child. Can you imagine that thought? I mean, I, I remember when I found out my wife was pregnant with uh, Emma. My, my actual response was, uh, and I rolled over because I'd been in the hospital that night with a stomach virus. And then when we found out we were pregnant with Nathan, it was, uh, and I rolled over because I hadn't gone to the hospital, but I'd had a stomach virus that night too. So if you ever get a stomach virus, no. But I remember those moments. And I, I, with Emma, it was about 12 hours after that moment. But I remember that moment and that joy and that amazement of we're finally going to have a baby. And the joy that filled my heart was incredible. But Mary didn't just find out, I'm going to have a baby. She found out, I'm going to have the king that's going to rule the universe forever. That's news. They don't, come, they don't make a pregnancy test with a plus sign that says that. I mean, this is huge. God changed everything about this little nobody's life. God revealed his greatest work, greater than the work of creating the universe, was happening right here. And Mary got to watch and be part of the entire thing. God spoke. I want to pull that to us for a minute. Everything good spiritually for every single one of us starts when God speaks. On our own, we, we are dead in sin. We're lifeless. It's like we've heard of Hawaii, so we jump in the Pacific and try to swim because we think it's out there somewhere. There's no hope. Despite how we act, despite what we might try, despite trying to be a good person, there's no hope spiritually according to the Scriptures. The Bible says it like this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That fall short, is, it's a mockery word. Um, it's telling us how bad we are. It's not that we missed the target. It's that the arrow hits a few feet in front of the bow. We don't even make it to the target to try to aim. It is absolute, complete failure. That's where we start. But then God speaks. When God wanted to change things, He sent His very Son. That's the message that Mary heard. Listen to this. This is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1-4. through 4. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom he, he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sin, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, 
having become as much more superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. So when God wanted to give the final word, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. That is the final word on spirituality. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about how we share our faith, particularly how we share our faith with skeptics, people who don't believe that there is a God or certainly that the God we serve is the ultimate God. And one of the things we've been talking about is how can we say that Jesus is the one true and only way to God the Father? This is exactly why. It's because He is God the Son. It's that God has spoken and this is the only way. That's how we can say with authority, no, you must trust Jesus Christ. Is because he is the revelation of God. Everything starts when God speaks. And the ultimate word from God is God the Son. John in his gospel actually says it this way. In the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then a little bit later he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God Himself, God the Son, came down and spoke. It's exactly what happens with Mary's life. God speaks, and she finds out she is going to be the mother of God the Son. If you've never heard the gospel, you did not know God, and had never been to church before, and I told you, I know what God says, you'd think I was nuts. I need to be in a mental institution. But you might pray and hope there was the faintest glimmer. What if he actually does know? The thought of knowing what God has said, it's, it's beyond excitement and joy. Knowing the truth from the creator of the universe. Knowing what life is all about. Knowing the purpose of life. And yet day by day by day, you and I sat with a Bible on our nightstands. God said. And we let it sit there. God has spoken. Just as real, just as concretely as an angel appearing to Mary and saying, Mary, and I'm going to go King James on you because that's how I have it memorized. Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Just as much as Mary knew the very words of God because this big scary dude who was shining said it to her. We can know the word of God. In the words that St. Augustine heard so many millennia ago, take up and read. God has spoken. He has spoken ultimately through His Son and then His words were written down. God has spoken. There's a few things I want to touch on just really quickly that we can mess up really easily if we take this passage wrong. Um, the first one is about Mary. Um, she's called favored or blessed and she actually sings, everybody's going to talk about me and as, as indeed we do. 
And some of this has been twisted, and we need to walk a very careful line here because some of the um, non-Protestant churches, whether it be Eastern Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Roman Catholic, have made Mary into this figure that never sinned, and she was also born of a virgin and and all these sorts of things, and, and you won't find that in Scripture. You just find the passage we read. That's it. Hail, favored one. What that word favored means, it's actually the same word as blessed in the New Testament. Um, as a matter of fact, Ephesians 1.6 says this. It says that this gospel with which he has blessed or favored us in the beloved. That exact same word favored is used of every Christian there's ever been that's trusted the gospel. So if you want to know how blessed Mary was, trust Jesus and you're that blessed. That's kind of the idea of Ephesians 1.6. God uses the same word to speak to us as believers as he used um, through Luke to speak to Mary. This favored one, it doesn't mean Mary was magic or amazing. It means she was a godly woman. She loved the Lord. She trusted him. She responded in faith. But it means that God was doing something in her life. And second, that can be confusing, is she asks the exact same words that Zechariah does. Zechariah, when he's made mute and the angel appears, how can this be? Mary asks, how can this be? Zechariah is punished. Mary is blessed. So what's the difference there? It's all in the tone. Remember, we're reading words that were originally spoken. And there's a big difference between how can that happen and How can that happen? Mary was asking for understanding. She was wanting the to-do list. Okay, I'm going to get pregnant. What's the next step? She wanted to know, did she need to go ahead and get married to her betrothed Joseph very, very quickly? What was going to happen here? And the angel answers, God's going to take care of all of that. God's going to do the impossible and amaze your soul even more. Jesus would be born from a virgin conception. Mary would give birth to the second person of the Trinity who took on flesh and became fully human, having been fully God for all of eternity. God spoke and changed everything for this young lady. But the second thing, and you'll see this in your bulletin if you want to take notes, God's speaking, God's revelation is shattering. We have to pick this up And be very careful and remember, we're talking about a day 2,000 years ago when, according to the Old Testament Scriptures, a woman pregnant out of wedlock could be stoned. She is engaged to someone. This person would figure out this was not his baby because she was a virgin. Her life just got torn to shreds. We often romanticize this event and think it was just this this warm, glowing time and nothing could go wrong. But she was a young, unwed mother-to-be. Her future marriage would be ruined. Her family would put her to shame. Her community would reject her. Remember, there's only a hundred folks in her town. It's not going to take long for word to get around. She would have no financial resources. She would be cast out of the religious establishment. Or... She could just tell everyone what happened. An angel appeared and told me I'm going to be pregnant. 
They have little homes with rubber walls for those people, right? When we get to her song in just a minute, you're going to see she realizes what's going on. She talks about being first poor, second humble, third hungry, fourth weak. She realizes what God's word means for her. It was going to change everything. And while she may have been thrilled at the news, she would have also been crushed. This was not some clean, nice, silent night. This was devastating news. I came across a quote a couple weeks ago. I'm reading a book with some guys, Gospel Wakefulness. Phenomenal book. It's in your resources listed there. The author said this, Sometimes when God closes a door, He does not intend to open a window. Sometimes when God closes a door, it's because He wants us in the building when it collapses. Let me read that again and let it soak in. Sometimes when God closes a door, He doesn't intend to open a window. Sometimes when God closes a door, it's because He wants you in the building when it collapses. It's a hard, hard statement. But think about it. That's Mary's life. Everything that she thought her future would be. Married to a carpenter. Nice small town. Few kids. Happy life. Just was eradicated. Everything would change. It was said to her later, and Joe will get into this. Mary, this is going to crush you. A sword will pierce your very heart. Years later, 30 years later, she knelt at the foot of a cross as she watched her son be executed. That was Mary's life. Would she have traded it for anything? I guarantee you not. This crushed what she thought her life would be. Just in case... You think she's the only one? Listen to this. Luke chapter 20, verses 17 and 18. A few pages down the road. We'll get to this, you know, in like a year, the way we go. Luke chapter 20, verses 17 and 18. He was, Jesus was speaking to a bunch of hard-headed religious folks. And he was also talking to his disciples at the same time. So there's two groups going on here. Listen to what he said in chapter 20, verses 17. But he looked directly at them. This is the religious folks. And he said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He's actually quoting from Psalm 118.22. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Jesus is referring to a cornerstone, that, that piece Back in a, in a masonry building that held everything together. It's where you started. It's where you took all your measurements off of. It was that core piece. And he says, that's me. And he said, there's one of two options for all of you. Either you can fall on me and it will break you. I will change everything. You'll get up on a cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Or I will fall on you and you'll be crushed. There's not an easy option here. It is the breaking of a life 
to be rebuilt by Jesus Christ. Or, it's the crushing of the judgment of God. But I, I don't want us to stay here. This is, this, is, this is the Christmas story. It's not supposed to be depressing. We don't stay here. But I want us to get the Christian life costs all. The revelation of God isn't some happy-go-lucky message of, oh, just pray this prayer and everything's happy now. Have more faith and send the money into the televangelist and you're going to get rich. Malarkey. The message of Christ is take up your cross. In other words, get executed and follow me. Everything that is you, die to it and follow me. But here's the beauty of this, and this is where we're going, and trust me, this is where we start smiling again. Isaiah 42.3 says this, A bruised reed he will not break. In a faintly burning wick, he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. In other words, at that lowest moment, when you think you can't go anymore, you're exactly where God wants you, and he's not going to snap the stick of your life. He's not going to put out the candle. I guess I should do that on the candle. He's not going to put out the candle that's barely burning. He's going to bring forth something new. That's the great, great news of the gospel. The gospel is an old word. It's a Greek word we've kind of adapted into English. It actually means, quite literally, good news. And so for all of us in our sinful state, when God comes and tells us the worst, He gives us good news. Think about it this way. If you were to get cancer, heaven forbid, we, I know some of you in this congregation have already suffered through it once, some of you more than once. If you have cancer, the last thing you want to hear from your doctor is, oh, no, 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 it's no big deal. No problem. Don't worry about that. It's just cancer. You just go on. You want your doctor to tell you the truth. It's cancer. This is huge. But here's the cure. We want to know the shattering and the breaking if it's real. And the good news is Jesus Christ Himself is the cure for our broken lives. He puts things back together. So not only is God's revelation shattering, God's revelation is ultimate joy. God's revelation is ultimate joy. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says it this way, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And, and lest we think the person who wrote this was talking about a hangnail. This is a man who was beaten to death twice. That's tough to pull off. He, you know, they left him for dead twice, and he lived through it. He was shipwrecked twice. He ended up having his head cut off. He knows calamities. It says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
at our very lowest moment is the most beautiful place because that is where we know Christ most intimately. The broken Christian is actually the happiest person on earth. In our lowest point, when everything else is taken away, the Christian by faith has Jesus. Paul said it this way in another place. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Let me put that in context. He's in jail awaiting news of whether he's going to be executed or not. And he says, oh, you're going to kill me? Win for me. And if you don't, that's good too. To live is Christ. To die is gain. No matter what the need, Jesus is enough. Mary would be rejected by those all around her for the rest of her life. She would be pushed out of the community. But she had this one relative who would never been able to have a baby. I just wonder if little Mary had been somewhat of her unofficial adopted child, loved and cared for like a daughter. And Mary ran off to this refuge, this one little couple that she knew would take care of her as an unwed mother. She would be away from the eyes and the jeers of the soon growing baby inside of her. And when her barren old relative rounded that corner, her baby bump led the way. Elizabeth shouted for joy. Mary, Mary, you're here. Everything was going to be okay. It wasn't just going to be okay in the sense of not disaster. God was actually going to work everything. The entire universe, He was going to work it out through this very pregnancy. Because this very pregnancy was her son. Elizabeth screams out as the baby John the Baptist jumps within her. She says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. From the Lord. Mary believed. Let me read that last phrase again. And blessed is she who believed. Mary's faith in this shattering word from God changed everything to joy. One of the things that we say a lot at Providence, it's our mission statement, is we want to worship and enjoy God and lead others to do the same. We don't want to sit in our songs and just, okay, got to sing this, we got to do this, we got to go through this. God is honored by our great joy in Him. And our incredible satisfaction in the fact that Jesus is enough. It doesn't matter what the question is, He is enough for that. I remember back very low moment last summer just before vacation Bible school, which, if you know me as a children's pastor, is, is nuts week. That week before vacation Bible school last year, I got an email that may have ended my Ph.D. career. Praise God it didn't. But it was just like, how can this not work? I mean, I've worked for so long, I've worked for so long, and it's over in one email. 
that moment, I remember laying in bed just dumbfounded. I didn't even know what to say. I was trying to talk to Rollo about it. She was being comforting and encouraging and ready to fly down to Texas and kill someone. And there was this moment. It wasn't audible or anything like this. But I had to come to the place of, am I okay if I lose it all and it's just Jesus? I slept that night. Couldn't believe I slept that night, but I slept that night. And maybe it was from, you know, making three million paper chains to hang from the wall, but I had peace because Jesus was enough. There is ultimate satisfaction in Christ above all else. And like I say, praise God, it all worked out. Lord willing, tonight I'll click the email and send the last content chapter into my professor, but Jesus is enough. And there is such joy, such refreshing, such hope in that statement. God's Word will not always tell you what you want to hear. But again, we don't want the news. Cancer is not a big deal. We want the news. Here's the pill to take. And for whatever the trouble in your life right now, whatever low, whatever breaking is going on, Whatever has shattered you, Jesus Christ is the answer for that. And He is satisfying. He is enough. Paul quoted the book of Hosea and says it like this. As indeed, he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, so all those people who were far off and away, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And the very place where it was said, you are not my people. They will be called sons of the living God. That is the title now. For those who trust Jesus, the sons and daughters of God. And do you not think he's going to take care of us? If he went to all the trouble to send his very son, he's going to work it out. There is ultimate joy in the revelation of God, specifically Jesus Christ. And so what does Mary do? Mary responded to God's revelation in faith, which burst out into joyful song. Let's say that again. It's in your bulletin there. Mary responded to God's revelation in faith, which burst out into joyful songs. So what is the call today? Whether you are a believer or not, whether you have known Jesus a decade, a half century, or never at all, the call is exactly the same. It is to trust Him. It is to place your faith in Jesus Christ and His work for you, His righteousness for you, His death for your sin, and to trust Him completely and fall on the chief cornerstone we're going to read Mary's song again here in a minute but I, but I just want you to think about it we're starting there in, in Luke 1 verse 46 where it starts my soul magnifies listen to her song it was heart 
felt, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. Her song was heartfelt. It was out of that deep, deep, unstoppable inside joy. She praised God for her salvation. Look in that second line. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She praised God for His mercy toward her and other sinners. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. She praised God for His power to work salvation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in a humble estate. And then she praised God for His works specifically for her. It was very, very personal. He has done great things for me. He has done great things for me. Jesus just didn't die for everybody out there. He died for my sin. It was very, very personal. I'm not going to say a whole lot about this song other than just that. Because I don't want to ruin the beautiful piece of art that God has called His very words. We're not going to try to make a science project out of an art project. In just a minute, I'm going to read this. And I want to invite you. Maybe you read it with me, silently, out loud, I don't really care. And you praise that. And in just a minute, when we start to sing again, when the band comes back up here, we're going to sing in Christ alone. This, this I, I, anthem's the only word I can think. A, a power ballad. I don't know what the right word for it is. It's that song that grabs it all. The whole message of Christ. And I want to challenge us to sing like Mary sang. Because God has spoken. His message may crush us. But it is ultimate joy. And I want us to respond in faith and worship Him. That, that our response is an act of worship. Whether that be this morning singing the song, whether it be humming a song and singing in your heart when you go to work tomorrow morning in the horrible I-24 traffic, or whether you're sitting with your child who's been throwing up all week. We've had a couple of those. But the song of your heart he has done great things for me. My soul, my soul, magnify the Lord. But I also want to say to you, if you've never trusted Christ, maybe this hit home. Maybe you get it with Mary, and maybe you're in that low, broken spot right now. Let me ask you, respond to Jesus Christ in faith. Trust Him. Trust His salvation for you. Trust His death on the cross for your sins. His perfect righteousness for you. Repent, which just means to turn away from your sins and to Jesus Christ. Joe and I will be down here. We'd love to chat with you about that. Like I say, one of us will be out at the fireplace. We can talk then. But trust Jesus Christ. Place your faith in Him. Some of you need to join with the congregation. It's been time. You've gone through starting point, all that. Some of you maybe haven't. Maybe you just need to show up, you know, crash lunch today. We've got enough food. You can do that. 
and join with us in a church in faith that these goofball folks here in this room on the green chairs are actually worth joining with. Not because we're perfect, because we are far from it, but because God has worked here. And he's taken all these folks and made them one at the church. That's great news to me. So let's sing together right after we read Mary's beautiful song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. And He has shown strength with His arm. He has shattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. As He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to His offspring forever. Pray with me. God, you are gracious and kind and good. You have done great things for us, God. You have done great things for us. So Lord, we, we cry out, holy is your name. And Jesus, as we sing now, we respond. May we respond in faith. In singing, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Jesus, may we fall on You, the chief cornerstone, and trust You in Your love. That smoldering wick, You won't put us out. You won't break our weakened state, but You will rebuild us and make us new. Jesus, I ask that You would work ask that you would grow each of us and grow us as a church. May we worship and praise your name, Jesus. Because of you, in Jesus, your name we pray.